Hey, Matt, how's it going? Hey, Mike, it's going good. How is it going for you? It's going all right with me. Glad to hear it's going good with you. Well, I don't know what's happening right now. Hey, should we do a podcast? Yes. Yes, we should. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to Hacking the Grepson, the podcast where two career developers talk about developing and other related things. It is week three, as far as we have uh, sliced time, of Advent of Code 2022, day 12 through 18. 18 is today. We are back again to talk about the problems and our thoughts, and I have uh, interesting things to say about my week compared to last week. But first of all, Matt, how did you feel about this week's Advent of Code puzzles? Um, some of them were fun. Uh, all mm-hmm. of them were interesting. And mm-hmm. at least half of them were really hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It is that time of the year. Yeah, of the, the difficulty of the spike has spiked. <laughs> It has spiked. And I'm so happy to hear that from you just because, like, I was looking at my record from last year and I dropped off even earlier last year in terms of, like, when the stars stopped appearing next to puzzles. So I made it further this year, a couple days further in. And so I'm giving myself a pat on the back for that. But regardless, um, I only got through attempts on 12, 13, and 14 and I didn't, and I didn't get the answer on them, and I did not even get a chance to attempt 15, 16, 17, and 18. So I'm going to weigh the content of this podcast episode heavily on you because I'm assuming you have attempted and or finished all of those. I have, but I uh, am led to believe that you did something else instead of Advent of Code this week. I did go down a rabbit hole that I'll just uh, do a quick aside on. So when Advent of Code started getting harder for me to the point where a I couldn't just finish a puzzle in a few hours or even get a solid attempt in a few hours uh I started well I actually saw something I think it was on Mastodon actually somebody boosted or something like that um this other competition that's going on called the tiny coding challenge which is put out by this organization called Love Bite B-Y-T-E. And apparently they do events for the demo scene. Uh, Now, I don't know. Are you familiar with the demo scene, Matt? No. (laughs) Okay. Well, the demo scene, as Wikipedia says, is an international computer art subculture focused on producing demos, i.e. self-contained, sometimes extremely small computer programs that produce audio-visual presentations. Ah, having no audio or visual skills uh, that <laughs> that explains why I uh, have not looked into that before. Yeah, it it, it seems like a uh, you know it's 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 like a weird punk uh, underground art scene, except in, using computers and trying to make programs as small as possible. So what they're doing is a tiny coding tiny coding Christmas challenge. So every day from the twelfth of December to the twenty fourth of December, so they kind of cut Advent of Code in half. They are giving a daily challenge, much like Advent of Code. Um, Instead of using TypeScript, they suggest using um, these, uh, they call call themselves, at least one of them calls themselves, a fantasy console. Uh, Pico 8, that's Pico hyphen 8. Oh, I've heard of that. Is the one that I'm doing all of the puzzles in, and that's because I used Pico 8 many years ago to toy around with making little, small, bite-sized games uh, Pico 8 is basically like if if the Game Boy had color and was designed now, but was only on your computer, although people have made their own custom hardware and put Pico 8 into it. Uh, and it's like a self-contained programming environment that lets you code in Lua and make sprites and make backgrounds and make uh, music using sound effects, but it has, you know, it's only like 128 by 160 pixels for the, for the display. Uh, you know, you can only use, uh, 
lo-fi sound capabilities like sine waves and triangle waves and noise channels. So, you know, like I said, it's like if somebody made a, a super tiny, even lower res Game Boy, uh, but it was all the development kit was all in one. Uh, there's also another one called TIC, T-I-C-80, which is like tiny computer, which is very similar. And so I've been doing these puzzle challenges because I found Advent of Code was getting too hard for me, yet I still craved that daily challenge. So the daily challenges so far for the tiny coding challenge are day one was making shapes, i.e. I made a Christmas scene out of rectangles and triangles and circles. Uh, day two oh was s- snow time like the present which was to take your scene one and add snow to it, like animated snow. Um, And then day three was little by little, and that was all about pixel-specific changing. So uh, instead of making shapes, you are changing the color of individual pixels. And so I made an animation that basically just picks random colors and changes random pixels and slowly fills up your screen, sort of like a Jackson Pollock painting. And then four was Signs of the Times. This is where it started getting interesting for me uh, because the demonstration was use the sign function to make some kind of animation where you're changing the pixels of the screen but using a sign function, which gives you a nice wavy. Oh, uh, so like the math sign function. Okay, I was the math was like, sign. Yeah, I'm like, oh, there's like, uh, like, like a banner sign. No, like math. Okay. <laughs> yeah, actual math. Uh, so, so basically, like, you know, get sign from negative one to one, and then multiply by that that by the number of colors in the palette, which is sixteen, uh, and then you know, dr- make an animation on the screen. Day five was using the tangent function, math function, to instead get a tunnel effect. Like, like basically it's drawing pixels in a circle and that circle is getting bigger and bigger and bigger forever. And so it looks like you're kind of going into a tunnel. That was fun. Both of those were fun. They definitely took me longer than the other days just because my math skills are not super sharp. And so trying to get a range of numbers that then can make something visually interesting is kind of the, um, the challenge. And then yesterday's, uh, challenge, which I haven't done yet, is making an animated sine scroller effect. So using sine waves to not just um, change colors on the screen, but move text in sort of like a wavy, snake-like way. Um, And then today's is just mix and match all the previous events. Fun. I'll have to to check out this Pico 8 and the... Sorry, what was the name of the actual contest? Oh, it is the Tiny Code Christmas. Tiny Code Christmas. I'll have to check that out. It definitely gives me that feedback that I crave where I like change a value, refresh the page, much like a website, and get a new cool thing. There's the added uh, difficulty, though, of optimization because the Pico 8 and Tick 80 system is low, is is not very powerful. And so the the whole idea is to write your code in as few amount of characters as possible and also know that you can't do insane graphical stuff because it's just not meant to do that. You know, you got to think Game Boy, even like Atari level kind of graphics. And so that's something that I ran into with uh, the tunnel effect. Like I actually had to make the tunnel effect. It was like full screen and it was getting like 15 frames per second. So I had to like make it all smaller and smaller so I could actually get like a decent frame rate out of it. I I think you would find it very easy to do, Matt, uh, in terms of the challenge and the puzzle. Uh, So it's, it's really more of a, you spend your time making it artsy and interesting and playing around with stuff rather than the, the math of it. Uh, But for me, it was much more my level than this week's advent of code. And so I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not quitting Evan of Code. Just uh, I I found this week to be very difficult and very time consuming. And I just honestly did not have the time to put into getting the puzzles done. You know, other stuff was happening or I was just tired by the end of the day. And I'm like, I cannot spend three hours to just get half of the first part of it. It's just I don't know. I definitely hit uh, a, a, a bad rut part of Advent of Code this week. So I'm hoping that you can lift me out of my rut, Matt, by actually talking about Advent of Code now and how you did on the puzzles, and I will try to follow along as best as I can. So, yeah, so I'll tell you, this week was definitely more difficult. Um, okay. Uh, objectively, not just in my own opinion. Like, I, I've, you know, talking to the other folks in our Slack channel that where we are looking at this, they struggled with some of them looking at our leaderboard similarly. 
And then even at work in that Slack channel there, I saw someone say, oh, I spent like eight hours on this last night to get part one. Oh, wow. I went, wow. Okay. That's, that's, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Let's go through uh, and, and quickly talk each one, uh, the ones that you uh, did or looked at. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get your opinion. Otherwise, we'll just hear my opinion. Um, so exactly. So day 12 was the hill climbing algorithm is the title of it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, if, if I remember correctly, at the end of day 11, uh, we had fallen in a river. Um, <laughs> and so day 12, we're trying to get out. And our handheld device isn't powerful enough, so we need to get higher. And basically, we're given a uh, a map of the terrain with heights, mm-hmm. and they're specifying the height with uh, lowercase a as the lowest, lowercase z as the highest, um, and then there's a start and end location, and you're basically like, how can I get there most efficiently? So it was a little bit of like, uh, and there were some rules, like you could go up one, but you could go down as much as you wanted. Um so, like, you couldn't jump very high, but you could fall without damage, uh, I guess. No fall so, damage. <laughs> yeah. So it was pathfinding. Um, did, so you said you, you worked on this one. What did you think? I definitely worked on it. Yeah, I, I went down a few rabbit holes trying to figure out exactly how difficult a time to make it for myself I needed to. I mean, I, I built or, or I found a breadth first search algorithm that I went through and modified and tried running on this. Um, the, the one thing with the breadth, breadth, breadth first search algorithm is that it doesn't, it, inherently it doesn't have the, uh, you can't go this way because, uh, because it's a step higher. But it has the general, I can't go this way, and you plug in, why can't you go that way, specifically from a direction. Because sometimes you can go from the left to the right, but you can't go from the right to the left because conditions change. Um, So a directed graph, basically, is what you'd end up needing to build for that. Right. And and despite that, I still was not able to write the logic that I just described. I mean, I was able to write logic that could get through obstacles like if there was just if it was all one like a, a two-dimensional map but not oh, a so three-dimensional like map. yeah yeah you could go around an obstacle but not necessarily up or down based on rules so that's as far as i got what about you so let's see um just looking at my notes i i was able to get the correct answer for the sample input right away but the real input took forever um really and uh so i had been i'd also done a breadth first search i just wrote it myself because i remember that from college uh mm-hmm. and i've actually had to use breadth for search a couple times in my career um but it wasn't optimal what i ended up doing is a recursive breadth first search from the s to the e so from start to end but i had to ha- um i had one of my checks to exit the recursion wrong and that was uh i had to do less than or equal to instead of a less than somewhere so i basically I, uh, what i ended up having to do is try to avoid revisiting locations um mm-hmm. was one of the big things for part two instead of um basically uh they decide that well, oh this might be a cool hiking trail uh but we want to but we don't necessarily want to start from s so start from any place that there was a ah yeah. yes um Oof. that actually wasn't too bad i didn't really change my logic i just ran it i just changed where s was basically in my original mm-hmm. thing and just ran it a bunch of times uh so it wasn't it was like uh, whatever it was 1842 possible start positions it was slow but it wasn't terribly so finished in a few minutes i just i looked at it i'm like that'll finish in a reasonable amount of time and i ran it uh so i i kind of brute forced it using my original algorithm oh yes oh I, i see what i did wrong um looking at my recursion my exit point was wrong that's why it was running forever because it just wouldn't get out uh, because of that less or less than or equal to my, my exit condition just never got there. Uh, that, that is a very common error in programming is greater than or greater than equal to. And the difference between a, an infinite loop and not an infinite loop. Yep. Uh, day 13, I believe is where, uh, things started to get to be, uh, literally my, my note is this one was a pain in the butt. Uh, (laughs) really? I'm surprised by that. 
Um, it was doable. It was just a pain. Uh, so this one, okay. distress signal. Uh, you mm-hmm. climb the hill and you're trying to contact the elves, uh, but you're getting back. Uh, ba- basically, you have to decode a message and like the packets are. You have to see if they're in the right order and and whatnot. Um, and there's some rules. It was a little mini compiler, basically, uh, mm-hmm. similar to other ones that we've had. It was a pain because of my self-imposed limitations. Is really what this boils uh, down to. Is hey, I'm going to mm-hmm. do this my way, and I want to use classes, uh-huh. and I want to do object-oriented programming correctly, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to use anyone else's code, right? All that stuff. Um, and I couldn't get my classes, and I ended up uh, just getting rid of several classes, doing some recursion, and putting more logic in the main loop, um, which I don't like doing. I would prefer to have that in its own class, and I could have, mm-hmm. but I wasted some time, and I was like, nope. Um, how'd you do on part one of 13? Uh, yeah, I once again tried several different options about how to figure it out, mainly just because I wasn't sure what the optimal way to do it was, and I went on, I ended up going on the subreddit later to see, like, you know, what the chatter was. And there were so many people saying that, like, oh, this is a simple, like, json.parse kind of a thing. Oh, for reading and, in the input, sure. For doing something with it, not as much. <laughs> right. And and reading in the input took a little time, but I definitely spent one more time just trying to figure out what is the optimal way to do this. Like, a big if-else thing. I mean, I, I'm looking at my code, and it's basically just a bunch of if-else things. And I have several test files like just seeing if my code gets through the very first pair and if it does yay try the second one oh it fails on the second one fix the second one go back to the first one does it still work on that and just endless back and forth where you know it's like as i'm doing it i realize that okay this this can't be the right way to go about this because this is not um what's the right word uh it's not robust you know like it's like and so then i started looking into things like um binary trees and I'm like, is this just a binary tree or a binary search tree? Because because one of those, I was reading the definition, and once again, this is just my lack of proper computer engineering education showing, but like one of them is only its definition if all the things on the left side are less than the stuff on the right side. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's literally what they're asking us. Yeah. Okay, how do I turn this into that? But I was not able to do that, and so I just kind of stalled out. It didn't even occur to me to try to do a binary search tree. So you didn't. So you didn't get to part two on this one. I did not. No. Okay. So part two on this one. Mm-hmm. How do I do this without spoiling? Uh, basically, you much uh, harder. Uh, actually, no. Um, what did I write on this? That's the uh, first thing. I always it was actually know. pretty straightforward after okay. getting part one done. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. you just had to put all of the packets in the right order, and then they added two additional packets that were divider packets and and then it basically just so that it could have a so you could get an answer um right mm. because in order to right. get that like here's the number uh they had to, some divider to packets and you're like this times a big number plus this uh, mm-hmm. uh i wrote yeah it was it was pretty straightforward since i since the way i had built my compare method in part one already worked the way compares work uh like where it effectively acts like a subtraction so negative one if it's less zero if it's equal one if it's bot i already done that and so i just basically used that when calling sort and it was it was pretty straightforward so i got lucky with my my change basically <laughs> being I, convenient. I, I, I came i came back to this one several times because it seemed like something that I should be able to get. And I still feel like I should be able to get, like it didn't seem so difficult that I would just like, ah, this is not for me, which is why it was even more frustrating that I put so much time into it and still was not able to get something that would pass the test data, mainly because it kept trying to compare. It wasn't going like all the way in to the deepest array and comparing those two numbers, so it would stop short and say, like, oh, this array is less than this array. Ah, ah, ah. But the first digit in that array doesn't necessarily solve that case. And once again, I just kept going back and forth and not really finding the, the optimal way. So anyway. Yeah. One of the reasons this one was such yeah. a pain was that uh, not not so much the parsing, which I, I just used JSON.parse because um, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I? It's built into the language. Why wouldn't I use that? Right. Um, yeah. But uh, I also saw some people just do an eval because it was like, oh, it's already a so. But uh, yeah, the big thing for that 
for me on 13 that made it a pain was the ru- the rules for when things were equal were they were hard to understand a little bit like i i I didn't i kept getting them slightly wrong in particular Mm -hmm. like it was like the first time you encounter a difference basically you stop so it's like you're not checking the whole thing um and a lot of my a lot of where my problems were coming in was that i was i i was making assumptions that were not uh that i shouldn't have been Mm -hmm. so that brings us to day 14 um day 14 the I don't even know how to say this word regolith reservoir regolith um, it's it's moon dirt oh okay yeah. uh, so we're at a waterfall actually we have to and so we want to get behind the waterfall and we need to find uh, a path ah this is the one where the sand is falling um, mm-hmm. so you end up in the cave and sand is falling and you don't want to die uh, basically so Naturally. there's these rocks in the structure above you and you need to hide underneath one of the overhangs where the sand won't fall effectively and so it's like all right sand is always falling from from 500 zero on the graph and it's falling and if it hits a rock it follows these certain rules and um uh yeah what would you th- did you try this one i did try this one uh in concept i loved it because uh, i was like oh this is another awesome one with a visual um i just spent so much time just trying to parse the input to get a visual that i can look at one one interesting thing about this one is something I should have done since day one, and this is where I'm trying to become a better programmer. This was actually the first time uh, that I made a s- specific classes in a library for this problem, which is I know something that, you know, is big with you and not big with me. And so I made a um, rock cave uh, class. So basically the cave and how what its dimensions are, what the grid of it looks like. And then um, where the sand starts, and also uh, an array of rock lines, which are another class. And that's essentially like taking in one vector, a start vector, and an end vector, and getting all of the rocks in between them so that I can more quickly model where the rocks are in this little grid. I I don't know. It was just like, okay, I need to do something different. I'll try this. And like I said, I just kind of ran out of time and didn't get any further. But I was making progress. But please t- t- tell me, tell me your thoughts. So yeah, um, I for this one, my classes were position, which is one that I end up rewriting for every single problem yes. after about this mm-hmm. point on. I should just put it in its own file, but it's always slightly different. And I'm like, well, I mm-hmm. could extend it, but it's such a short class, I just end up rewriting it. <laughs> um, path, which was basically just like the this obstacles, right? Uh, yeah, they kept calling them paths in the thing so i used that but i don't like that term rocks would have been better and then cave which is so it sounds like we had similar um oh, things good. uh i i had a big logic error on my part when i was doing this or i was stopping sand from falling too high like um, before it hit another oh i was stopping sand. the sand before it fell off the edge basically i was like oh yeah we're good uh <laughs> no problem um and it was just an off by one error um, yeah. And so I wasn't breaking out of my loop, and my classes ended up getting really messy. But I got part one, part two on this one. Mm-hmm. It's that there wasn't an endless void, so they changed. Like, oh, it doesn't just the sand just doesn't fall off forever. There's actually uh, a, a floor bottom. So now what you want to do, and it's like two below the one that you tell it. And what we wanted to find is um, where will the sand stop because it plugs the hole that the sand's coming out because like it won't it doesn't just fall infinitely it mm-hmm. hits the ground and then builds up into basically it's almost always a triangle oh i wrote it was another easy modification i just hard-coded a 2000 tile floor <laughs> i nice. was like okay there's a floor down there and then took out my check that it screwed me up in part one and it all worked so my error in part one ended up coming back to be helpful nice job man Uh, cool. Moving on to day 15. Day 15. Day 15 the, the beacon exclusion zone. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of beacons, like send, and one of them is sending out a distress signal, and you're trying to figure out which one is the is basically what it is. And this one was a pain because of the way that the beacons 
spread out um they used what did they call it manhattan it was, distance or something yeah yeah Where it's basically just like it there's no diagonal. Like a diamond always, right yeah so it ends up going out in a diamond so trying to do intersections of that was like i'm sure there's a mathy way to do that but as always with these i'm trying not to look things up um i'm trying not to look up algorithms and i'm like what do i know what can i do to solve this problem with my brain um which uh, for 15, I was able to do uh, some of the later ones, not so much. You did not do this one, right? I did not, no. Okay, so none of the rest of them. So I won't, So we'll just go straight into my thoughts on these. Uh, go for it. <clears throat> so part one wasn't too bad. Uh, I ended up, I think last week I said, well, I, di- I didn't use a regular expression because I don't hate myself that much for something. Uh, I started using regular expressions uh, on day Ah, 15. you hate yourself now. Um, no, I actually, what it was, was I had to use regular expressions in TypeScript for work that week. And I was like, oh, these aren't too bad. Um, as long as I'm doing real simple stuff, like very specifically what I was trying to do for work and the way I wanted to parse this input were really similar. And I was like, fine, I'll just do that. Uh, making that was easy enough. Uh, and cause yeah, the first part, it was just like how many positions cannot contain a beacon. So you were just looking to see like where, where things don't intersect um and then part two was a pain uh you couldn't brute force it so you had to be smart about optimizations i wanted to use sets like just a set Mm -hmm. uh typescript sets it turns out are stupid um and i don't mean that they don't work right i mean they they aren't they don't have the basic functionality of sets like union and intersection and difference you have to write those using maps and reduce and filter and i'm like that defeats the purpose. Uh, so ultimately, I built a disjoint set class uh, to solve the problem. Just did it myself and allowed myself to have like exclusions in my set. So it's like, all right, this goes to here. This goes to here. There's this missing piece. Um, I like mm-hmm. this one a lot. Uh, it was fun. Day 16. Day 16. <sighs> Proboscide Volcanium, uh, which I believe is elephant volcano or volcano of elephants. Um, ah. So there's elephants for some reason in this cave and also lava Um, Mm -hmm. because it turns out you're in a volcano. Uh, There's a whole bunch of valves and the valve. So each location. So there's a bunch of different locations that you can get to. And there's a bunch and there's a valve, I believe, at every location. And then Mm -hmm. from that location, there are paths that lead to other locations, but not to all of them. Right. So you're trying to optimize your path through it, uh, but you only have 30 time units to get through it i did not solve this one neither part you didn't one nor part not even two. the first part I, no uh now i just wrote but graphs this one looks tough and then stuck <laughs> so so like did you not even attempt it then oh no i attempted it for several hours and just oh okay. couldn't get it um i am not great at path well at optimizations in general are not my thing mm-hmm. um not great at this. And this was basically like a shortest path traveling salesman type problem, but like weighted. And I, I had a valve, like I, I have a valve class and a pressure class and a graph class. And I was so close to getting it to work, but I just finding the optimal solution. There's a trick somewhere of like knowing, cause I, I needed to be smarter with my overall logic, uh, my, my strategy, where my mm-hmm. tactically, I'm like, at each point, I'm like, okay, well, here's the best option. Here's this. Here's that. But what I really needed to do is somewhere in there, I needed to say, because you can't look at all the all the possibilities because you'll just, it'll never finish. Um, I right. think I was able to get that to work for the sample input, but just like never for the real input because there are just so many valves that doing a an N squared type operation is it's never going to finish. And so then I tried to do like permutations and like, okay, it's more likely to be like with the the higher pressure release things in the front. But I just, I just was never able to get there. I, I got real close to the answer multiple times with my solutions, but I couldn't reliably get an answer that was correct. And I, 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 I'm hoping to go back to this one when all is said and done because I've got, I'm so close, but I just, I, I didn't want to just keep trying 16 every day for the rest of the Christmas christmas season i'm curious what how do you know when you're done trying because i i'm no longer enjoying working on it oh okay uh that that's the short answer um also sometimes just like physically the day ends 
And yeah, I I set a rule for myself after last year that I wasn't going to keep working on yesterday's problem, and mm-hmm. at least not until I'd finished today's. Given that I haven't gotten part two for any of the other days uh, since then, I, I did get go part back one yet. for seventeen and eighteen. I haven't had an opportunity to go to sixteen. Uh, okay. Well, so hey, that, let's look th- at day seventeen then. So day seventeen was basically Tetris. Uh, <laughs> it, that's what it looks like. It, uh, effectively. You've got um, rocks falling into the chamber from a certain position, mm-hmm. um, and they're shaped more or less like Tetris pieces. Uh, you've got like a horizontal line, you've got a cross, you've got a backwards L, a vertical, and a and a two by two square. So this one was actually fun. Like part one of this one was really fun. Uh, I. Oh, so ultimately what you're trying to do in this is this, the stuff's falling, and then uh, after 2,022 rocks have fallen, how high will that tower of rocks be? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only like a seven-block wide thing that they're falling into. So it wasn't a huge search space. It was just a matter of, of getting it right. Uh, I had some – for part one, uh, it, was, it was really fun – but uh, I had some deep copy issues with like just the way. So I, I made a generator because effectively you got wind. The input in this one was the direction of wind and mm-hmm. when it's going to blow. And then it just cycles. So I made a class to give me the next wind direction and a class to give me the next rock to fall. And then I was using those as I went through and I was moving them around. But I wasn't doing a good job of copying my objects. I would... I wasn't doing a deep copy, so, like, some of my references stayed. So, mm-hmm. like, randomly, my blocks started not appearing where they were supposed to because it was all relative. They would appear in some completely other place or, like, <laughs> slightly too high. And it took me ages to figure that out. Um, but that was just a dumb problem on my part. Uh, the big optimization I did for part one of this was as I was pushing the obstacles. So, like, as you're building up, I just... All the rocks are there, and I, I consider those obstacles, and I just had them in an array. As I was going, instead of pushing those to the back of my of my array, I pushed them to the front because you're going to hit the top ones sooner. Mm, right? So I didn't mm-hmm. clear out. So rather than having to check every single rock to see, like, oh, am I going to hit it? And, like, it take a while to get to the one you're actually hit, I pushed to the front, which worked out. And there was a substantial time difference there. Yeah. Um. Part two, instead of going to 2022 rocks, you're going to a million million rocks. Oh. So no rocks. Nothing that's gonna take any time whatsoever, really. Like if you're if you're trying to actually have them fall, it's not gonna work. So day sixteen was where the like the difficulty spike like really hit. Like a lot of people didn't get it. Day seventeen part two is where they introduced this thing that I didn't like last year. Uh, that's here now, which is, okay, don't really try to get this to work all in code. Analyze the results and notice a pattern and mm-hmm. then apply that pattern. So, like, I was able to get uh, find a pattern that worked for part one. And it was, so it was like, it changed this, it changed this. You know, it was like, it, it was doing, like, the delta heights um, and trying to figure out when, uh, like, when it repeated so that like oh the delta patterns and then I could just stack them up, and mm-hmm. I was so I was like within a couple on this one, but I could never quite nail it down. Um, there's a pattern I just have to figure it out. The biggest problem is my obstacle set grows huge, and so I needed to mm-hmm. clear out old bits of it. But figuring out where to clear from isn't obvious be, unless i do effectively a pathfinding to find the the skyline shape of well, the, the, of the d- top d- doesn't the pattern repeat or not on part two it doesn't repeat no the rocks still repeat but the what i needed to do was figure out like if you have an overhang you know your rock could fall and then go underneath the overhang so i couldn't just stop at the top piece in every oh column. i see so yeah. wiping out old obstacles was I, I never quite figured that i know what i need to do i just I didn't have time to do it, which is basically just go through and, and find what that path looks like and just get mm-hmm. rid of everything below that. Like, what does is, what is my new floor look like? Right, um, right. And I, I have some ideas on how to do that, uh, but didn't get didn't get to uh, 
haven't finished part 18.2 yet. Uh, or day 18. You mean 17, so right? day, no, I haven't. I didn't. That was part. That was 17 part two. But because yes. I, I, I was working on that last night. Uh, ah. Day 18 uh, is today. So yes. day 18, I think um, most people should be able to do part one pretty easily. Um, okay. It's easy to parse. Basically, there's boulders falling and you're given XYZ coordinates for each cube. And it's just like right. how many of these cubes touch, like have open faces, basically. Like there's if there's two together, you know, a cube itself has six faces. If oh, two of them are touching, totally each of them has five faces oh. showing, right? Oh. And so it's like get surface area and it's... It was pretty easy to calculate. It was, honestly, it wasn't hard. Uh, part two. Of <laughs> oh, part I twos. Haven't even attempted. Oh, I. Well, it did just come out today, so. I I don't quite understand what it's asking, um, mm-hmm. and I know it will involve pathfinding, and I'm mm-hmm. again not good at pathfinding. That's that's a weakness of my own personal skill set that I'm going to have to shore up if I am ever going to solve more of these advent of code problems. And that brings us to uh, present. That is the present, yeah. Which of the last week of problems, since I haven't gotten the first part of any of them correct yet, which one do you think, which one or ones do you think is worth going back to actually try? I wouldn't bother with 16. Um, Okay. 12, part one's pretty doable. Part two wasn't too bad. 13, like you, you got past a lot of the part that I had trouble with already. I think that one's probably doable. 14 is where it starts to get like, Ugh. but I think part one of that one is mm-hmm. reasonable. You you can treat that one a lot like just uh, how you would do video games and like with a game loop and, and follow this. Um, basically what I did. Um, and part two isn't too bad. 15, I think you could definitely do. Uh, part one of no question. Uh, part two was hard. 16, mm-hmm. don't bother. 17 is 17. Part one was fun. Um, yeah. it's worth trying just for that. And 18 part one, you, you shouldn't have any trouble with that. Um, okay. And that's, that's great. If we were done and there were no, there wasn't a whole nother week of problems to come out because I mean, for me, and, and this may just be a personal thing, but it's like, as the days go by that I'm, that I, I'm not solving them. Like it's like this mental weight. And I know you have the thing where you're like, well, I'm just going to work on it through the day. And when the next day comes, you know, I either get it or I don't. And that's fine since you only have one that you didn't even get the first part, but I've got several now that I haven't even looked at. And so it's, it's so hard to even know like what, which one do I even work on at this point? Um, I I don't even know how to choose. If if I was just going to pick one, I would pick today's 18, Part yeah. one, I think, is probably the most straightforward uh, mm. of all of the part ones this week. Parsing is easy. Calculation is straightforward. Part yeah. two, I I mean, I want to go back on 13 just because I've spent so much time and I feel like I'm close. Uh, And 14, just because I started on it and I didn't even get into the logic part. I was just getting into the visualization. Uh, I definitely want to work on that one, which also reminds me of a question I had is, do you always start these these problems by making a visualization like the one they do? Or do you just cut straight through to the algorithm to get the answer? I almost never do a visualization uh, okay. which I think has been problematic for me on the ones that involve like rocks falling and sand falling and whatnot. Like the ones that are very visual problems today's, mm-hmm. uh, notably, <laughs> um, I think that bites me. So like if, if we go to like, I don't know, 15 day, if we go look at day 15, I can kind of walk through how I, how I approached that. Yes, um, please. This was the one with all the beacons. So I mm-hmm. could have printed them out. Uh, in a grid. Sometimes I do end up hacking in like a printout of the <laughs> of the thing, but I didn't even do that. What I usually do first is figure out what classes I want to create to represent the objects in the world. Uh, sometimes those end up needing to uh, go away because they're not efficient enough. 
or like I need I need to find a different abstraction to to conceptualize the problem in. Especially these ones where you have to where there's like tricks to them. Like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a pattern in the output and if I and that repeats and so I just have to look at that. Like that kind of thing. But just to like kind of get myself into the the brain space of it. So like looking at 15, uh, I have a position class and I knew, oh, I'm going to need to know how far away things are. So I made a distance method for that um, that just was like takes in another position and says, here's how far it, and it used the It did the Manhattan distance calculation. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a beacon class, which ultimately I didn't end up putting anything in. It was just another position. Um, but I had created one thinking, ah, I'll need to have some operations on the beacon. I never did. Uh, hmm. um, and I made a sensor class. So both beacon and sensor extended position because they have a position. And I, I could have done a has a instead of is a if you want to get into the whole object-oriented terminology mm-hmm. thing. And arguably that's better. But I wanted to just be able to say this thing from this th- I, I wanted to be able to do distances between them and not have to think about it. So they, they all extended position. That one also didn't have a ton of information in it all i added to sensor was so that it matched the input that we were getting is you get the sensor position and the beacon that it can see like Mm -hmm. which one it thinks is closest um and that was all i put in there i was like it's that beacon and then my beacon itself i knew where it was um so i was like between those two things i had all the information so i i'm really i'm representing the objects of the world in in classes um because that's just how my brain works. That's usually like as I'm usually as I'm reading through the problem, I'm writing down in my I have a template that's that uh, that I just copy into every day that has like get each line of input then call this function. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and then iterate over those lines and do something. Um right. so I I open that file up and I just start at the top putting in like All right, I'm probably going to want a position class and a beacon class and like these things are going to like just as I'm reading through it so I can as a way of organizing my thoughts. And then I tackle how do I read this input? <laughs> like how, how do I get the input out of it? And this one again, I just went with a regular expression because I was like, "All right, it follows a very specific pattern." And honestly, the biggest problem there was that it had, was it this one that did that? It wasn't this one. There was another one this week where the input line had plurals sometimes, like if there was more than one uh-huh. thing. And so like I had to learn a thing about regular expressions that I did not know in order to do that. I was like, how oh. do I? Well, there you go. I'm, there, this has to be optional. I'm like, but I, I wanted, because so, I wanted to catch both, catch both. And I just used groups. So I was like, all right, sensor at X equals group one. Y equals group two. Closest beacon is at group three, group four, mm-hmm. and I just pulled all that information out. And then, so like parsing that turned out to be pretty straightforward. Um, I just iterated over it. And then the way that this one worked was you had to have, you needed to know like, oh, I figured out the upper left and the lower right of the of the Space. sensor, of, of what I could see so that I could mm-hmm. print it out if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but mostly I, I didn't care about that and then i and then it was just a matter of like okay what do i do with this and it was all right well figure out the distances and then see where where might there be empty space um we have we have a pronounced difference in the way that we visualize these problems like i like i'm like i read these problems and and i'm so keyed into the visuals that they put in the problem like the grid like I want to create that every single time and like I don't do anything else basically until I can take the input data and make the visualization of it that they put in the problem. Um, that of course often takes a lot of time and is not of course necessary to solving the problem, which may be one of the reasons why it takes me so long to do these because I like for some reason I can't not do that. It's like I see that I'm like, oh, I need to create that as opposed to sussing out the algorithm first i suss out the algorithm after i get it it's probably another reason why this other competition uh with the tiny code challenge is so um in my wheelhouse because it's it's literally like you know write some code and change some values so that the visual changes to a a cooler or more interesting thing so yeah i appreciate uh that look into the way that you look at this and i really want to try to be more object-oriented about these things because I I feel like it's definitely a deficit in the way that I look at 
managing each puzzle. Like I, I'm still very much like spaghetti code of the problem. And obviously it's worked for, you know, 10 or 11 of the problems. I've been able to figure it out without doing that. But um, obviously I'm not getting them now. So maybe I need to try a different approach. And so I think I'm going to try to do that. So I appreciate that uh, that insight. It just, I mean, it also just happens to be the way I think about problems. Right, right? which is like, helpful. I like, <laughs> I mean, all, if you if you want to get down to the, the brass tacks of object-oriented programming, it's data and the methods that apply to that data. Right. Just you group those together. As long as you're doing that, you're doing object-oriented programming, basically. Right. Um, but for me, it's it's like, okay, I can solve that problem of that mm. class. I mm-hmm. understand this conceptually. This is what a position is. Here's the things I want to do to a position. Now I don't have to think about that anymore. I know that works. And I can move on <laughs> to the other things. With the way that and, – and some of that is like I just don't I'm – not, I'm not a good developer uh, to, if I'm not doing that. Because mm. I'm like, I, there's too many things to keep in my head. And I'm like, I could be breaking anywhere. And so I'm like, okay, I can isolate and encapsulate. Like, this is where the problem, I can solve this problem and this problem. It's just breaking it down into small chunks. And functions are the same thing. If you can do yeah. it, like, I trust this function. I uh, I think it's a good way to think about it. And uh, I wish that my brain naturally did that. Um, and so I have to kind of fight the urge to not do that. Uh, it's sort of like when I was... Um, when I first learned about doing unit tests, like I, I just, my brain did not think about breaking down my code into little chunks that are testable, but you have to do that if you want to be able to write unit tests for things. Um, and so I still have never gotten very good at that, but I don't mean to cut this awesome discussion out, but you know, we have gone pretty long and we've talked about oh, a yes, lot of things. Have. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's totally worth it though, because you know, the advent of code is a great way to not only challenge yourself but also point out your weaknesses potentially as a programmer and it's definitely pointed out mine and it's made me think about not only the things that I'm not as good at but also the things that I gravitate towards more easily and grok more easily and also the things I find more fun obviously I like the visual problems and so I'm I'm drawn to those and so I was drawn to a whole competition that's just about making visuals um but you know I still want to take a crack at these. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that I'm not going to necessarily take a crack at every, every all 25 of them in the 25 days of December. Uh, I'm probably going to have to tackle them after the fact, but uh, I still want to talk about them as they come out because that's the zeitgeist. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in order to get visualization for myself, because I do think that would be useful, what I need to do is spend some time and write a class that will that's like a grid and mm-hmm. say, Print this out as ASCII, and then I can just extend that for all of my because there's so many grid based problems. But then I could that would just make my life so much easier. <laughs> yeah, I, I I rewrite the print a grid function every single puzzle, and yeah, that should really just be a class, you know, grid and plug the stuff in and print it out. So uh, I'm I'm definitely not as confident about the next week. Uh, I'm sure it's going to get even harder. Me either. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's uh, we got to keep trucking on. And uh, we will, you know, uh, talk. We're going to talk again about the last week of problems. So that's day 19 through Christmas. We'll talk about that after it's all said and done and kind of come back with a wrap up of our thoughts of that week and the whole thing in general. I'm going to keep working on this other competition as well, uh, just because I get to make pretty pictures. And uh, I'll have a mini wrap up of that. Uh, when we come back next episode as well. I just wanted to throw in one more shout out because I was realizing that like, man, I don't know some really basic engineering things uh, that I should know. I finally cracked open Cracking the Coding Interview Book. I don't know if you've heard of this book. Hmm, Yes. It was, yeah, given to me a long time ago and it has um, 150 programming questions and solutions and goes over everything from arrays and strings to... Stacks and queues, linked lists, trees and graphs, bit manipulation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it has all the solutions. They're in Java, which is not bad, but is not exactly uh, the stuff that I normally code in. So uh, it's not immediately applicable to what I'm doing in Advent of Code or my job. But uh, I think the foundational stuff is important. And I think a lot of the stuff in this book is immediately applicable to what we're doing in Advent of Code. And if I knew it better, I believe I would be able to solve these a lot more, a lot better than I'm doing. So I th- I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some reading uh, this week. I feel like the best way to do these would be if we just teamed up and like all right, like if if time allowed for that, just like hey, let's get together every day and work on um, work on the problems. That yeah. would be the most fun and interesting way. But because we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I, like time actually is an issue, and there is other things going on during the day. Which is why I'm so impressed that you got through all of these um, this week. Because even when I was trying to get through them, I still just like other stuff came up, and so it's uh, you know it's not it's not like the first week where I could solve this in like an hour or two and it was no problem. Now it's like okay, I have to actually try hard to even attempt them. So maybe uh, since I know I will not get through all 25 of these in the next week, we can pick you can pick your favorite. Of all 25, and that's the one we can tackle together, and we can just go through it and be like, okay, here's the problem. Okay, Mike, how would you solve this? Oh, Matt, how would you solve this? Okay, well, let's do that and see where it goes and see, you know, how far we get. Yeah. Well, inevitably, I won't have time to work on 23, 24, 25 before we uh, record next, so that might be a good time to do it. All right, cool. Uh, Okay, well, thank you for joining us again uh, for this week for our Advent of Code breakdown of day... 12 through 18. You can try Advent of Code yourself. It's still going on at adventofcode.com. You can check out um, the Tiny Code Christmas uh, challenge that I'm doing at, uh, I believe it's tcc.lovebite.party. And they have lots of helpful videos where some guy goes through kind of like the beginnings of each puzzle so you can kind of understand like roughly how to get the effect and then you can go and actually do the animation part of it they kind of show you like the static effect and you're like okay now make this animated and uh also put a a link to this book because i think it's very it's very helpful for those who are like me who need uh some more experience on some of these more foundational uh, computer engineering and computer science algorithms and heuristics and such any parting thoughts Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. We will talk to you when uh, uh, Christmas is over. We now return you to your regular scheduled lives already in progress. <laughs>